Welcome back, guys, to Are You For Real with Sarah Frick. Today, we have my smartest friend, don't tell Kira I said that, on the phone, <laughs> Dr. Allison Bickett. And I asked Allison to come on to do one of our shorter segments because <clears throat> I'm going to let Allison explain what she does to you because it's, I don't, I can't even start. But whenever she talks to me, I just feel better in general. So Allison, <laughs> for many reasons, I love you. Thank you for doing this. Allison's one of my oldest friends, not old in age, old in we've, we've had a time together. <laughs> we've had a time. Sarah, I was, I, while I was insomniacing last night, I was faced with this really disturbing and also very heartwarming stat that we met after college and we have been friends for almost 20 years. I know. It's, <laughs> it, it does seem like a long time. And I had no friends and you were like, I'll be your friend. And we met at the Cheesecake Factory and got blue and cheese martinis. 122 blue cheese olive martinis, 100%. I was thinking about that. I was like, the I like this girl and her blush and her big hair. I love her. So, uh, so much blush. But you came into that party like coral tube top popping, white pants pantsing, and your hair like the lion's mane, but except. It wasn't like the lion's mane of today, like the boho chic lion's mane. It was like this, like the shiny curls, the shiny tight curls. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, like, you know what image I have is, um, you know, when the, the lion in Wizard of Oz goes to the Emerald City Spa and he gets, comes out, like, that's, your curls were that. So what you're telling me is that's what I looked like. Why are you telling me this to, now? <laughs> I don't know. 19 I and a half years ago wasn't good apart. enough. <laughs> okay, like so I've okay, known so. you on this journey to become who you are. So before we like dive right into all my questions and everything like that, tell what's your title, what do you do, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> okay. So I am the director of behavioral medicine for a family medicine residency program at Atrium Health, which is a big old healthcare system in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I'm a health, clinical health psychologist by trade. Um, I have my PhD in that. And so I have my own panel of patients that I see, but my one of my primary roles is as a faculty member. So I teach medical residents and medical students and doctoral students how to pick up on mental health issues in primary care. So this is so they don't have to refer out to psychiatry because there's so much that primary care physicians can be doing from pharmacological and non-pharmacological, like a counseling standpoint. And whether they like it or not, as primary care physicians, primary care is the de facto mental health care providers. Like 90% of what they see every day has some involvement from a mental health or a behavioral health issue. So, um, so I run a behavioral health integration program where I have doctoral students who are embedded in the primary care setting. So they're seeing, these psychologists are seeing patients, and then they're also working with the physicians so that they can know how to treat mental health in primary care. So can I just ask a question? Because you know I always say, okay, let me say it to you how I hear it. So is that mm -hmm. kind of like, so say I'm Sarah, and I'm busy as shit, and I'm struggling, and I know that I have this one doctor and I go to her and if she doesn't diagnose me, I'm not going to take the extra mile to like be like, okay, now I need to find like another doctor. So it's kind of like if you can get it in one stop, then that's better, more beneficial than being like, well, that didn't solve my problem. Now I'm going to go find a psychiatrist. Is that? Yes. And you have a, that's a, a, agreed. It's a referral. It's another step in the process that you're likely to not follow up on. It's more money. And your primary care physician has the benefit of like knowing you, mm -hmm. knowing you, knowing you. So mm -hmm. you have that continuity over time so you can tell what's working and what's not. 
Love it. So when I came to you and I said, you know, I'd love for you to come on the podcast, like, cause you know, we're in February now and like a lot of people will set these big January intentions and then things happen, things fall apart, you know, like life happens and they feel like shit about themselves. And then they go back into this whole backstory of, well, I can never do anything. Why would I even start? You had such a great response to me and I'd love to kind of unravel that a little bit. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, when you asked me to talk about motivation and emotional regulation, I'm like, who's going to sit me down to teach me a thing or two about motivation well, and self-regulation? Sure are. <laughs> right. That imposter syndrome is a beast. I have a master's in neuroscience and a PhD, and I've been teaching for 15 years, and I'm still looking around for the adult year adult. But, Same. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Who's going to work me out here? Right. <laughs> I get it. Um, but I can speak from personal experience because I have I have tried to make some changes in my life, and I found it hard. Sometimes people can decide to make a change, they commit, they muscle through it, they don't regress, done, checkity check, on to the next thing. And probably all of us, maybe even without realizing it, have made some of our decisions in that way. But most of the time, that's not how it works for me. The process of change can cause a little bit more heartache, a little bit more angst. So, I mean, there's just these ways of thinking and being and behaving that you want to change or you want to let go of that are so much harder to kick Mm -hmm. than other areas of your life. So we start this new year, we start the week, we start the day strong, totally motivated, and then we slip or we regress or we lapse or we relapse for the hundredth time. And that blame and shame spiral can just get really harmful and really demoralizing, right? Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. The perfect word for I, it. I always feel a little bit better about this. Like when I'm going through it, when I remind myself that the apostle Paul, who was Jesus's homeboy, I mean, he complained about this proverbial thorn in his side, right? I, we don't know what it was. Maybe it was this fleshly temptation. Maybe it was a chronic health condition. Maybe it was a speech impediment. We don't know what was going on with him. But we know that he tried desperately to change it, to be free from it. But he let us know in no uncertain terms that that change process was really difficult for him. Mm-hmm. And he like had a direct line to Jesus. Right. So I, so like he said, it kept him humble. Yeah. And many of the things that we loathe about ourselves, and if we're being honest, we like loathe them about ourselves. We want to try desperately to change them. They keep us humble for sure. Mm -hmm. Except that I think a lot of times that humility can turn a little more sinister into this perpetual guilt and more deep than that shame. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I got my own shit. You know all about it. (laughs) You know all about my proverbial thorns in my side. I know, but it's like, so when you talk about what's, you know, I can't say it. So just say it. The thing, the thing that you do. The Vogel thing. <laughs> the what? What's the, what is it called? The, the practice that you do. The, pra- the practice, the, the psychology? No. The name is the same? <laughs> no, I don't know what it is. Like, is it Perry Vogel? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Polly Vagel. <laughs> yeah. You can keep that, Lindsay. Everyone knows I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> 
All right, because you talk when you came to my house because, as my listeners know, and I do, I you know, I have anxiety and I go in waves of like it's okay, it's better, and then it's like, oh my god, is this has this gotten worse? And sometimes, you know, and I shared this on a podcast recently, but like I changed my meds and they were not the meds for me, and I literally was like, Mm -hmm. is this who I am now? Like I was like is this getting older? Like, is this my hormones? And I talked to a great psychiatrist friend and a doc and a, um, pharmaceutical, 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 pharmacist, a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Yes. I talked to her and they both were like, that is not the drug for you. Like you don't need to be yeah. on something that's going to amp you up that much. And they were like, and my psychiatrist friend was like, actually you're on such a low dose, just stop it. And as soon as I stopped it, I was like, Oh wow, there I am again. I'm not this miserable, angry, sad, crazy fucking person who's just literally trying to get through the day. Because, Mm. you know, like, not only do you feel like shit sometimes or like I did, but then I'm stressing about, is this who I am now, right? And so anytime I feel like that, whether it's circumstantial or medicational or whatever it is, I feel like you've always, when you talk about the thing that you do, um, (laughs) that (laughs) it helps. So will you explain that? Have y'all ever wondered what Carter's husband, Foxy, does for a living? I'm here to tell you all about the man who puts up with our favorite Cardi wheels 24-7. Foxy owns Foxworth Insurance, an insurance agency that focuses on both commercial and personal lines with a focus on commercial real estate, homeowners, and flood insurance. So who has your insurance? Here's the deal. John and I switched our business and home insurance over to Foxworth Insurance, and he made the transition seamless, offered us better coverage, and saved us a ton of money. If you're thinking, why would I switch? Why wouldn't you switch? You gotta support Cardi, duh. No, for real though. You would switch because you're supporting a locally owned business owned by Foxy and Carter. It's a win-win. You can head to foxworthins.com to check out all of the stuff that he's doing. You can also email him at info at foxworthins.com. So you go ahead and do that. That way you can see if Foxy can help you. He can help you understand so much about like what's happening in this crazy, confusing world of insurance. And like I said, he really does make it seamless. And I know Foxy personally, he's so easy to talk to. He's so lovely. He's very communicative and he can give you all the answers to all of your questions. Yeah, I think I think what you just said was maybe more important than any of the practices or techniques that I do. What you said is the thing for us all to remember about behavior and behavior change that is absolutely not groundbreaking. I mean, I think most of your listeners are probably of above average intelligence and very self-aware. So I'm not telling you anything new. I'm reminding all of us. So I'm saying it as much to myself as I am to you. The non-groundbreaking thing that you just said is it usually ain't even about the behavior. Mm-hmm. It is not about the behavior or the mindset or the lifestyle choice or, for that matter, your willpower or your perceived lack of it. It's about the why underneath it. Mm-hmm. It's about all those other little moments and experiences and people and role modeling and DNA and personality traits and schema, like the innate lens through which you see the world and defense mechanisms that have helped keep you safe that lead you to that behavior or that habit in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like that behaviors and habits don't exist in a vacuum. Right. And, and so our resistance to change them is very rarely about a motivation or some flawed personality characteristics, which is always what our go-to response is, right? We beat ourselves up about this, but it's, it's about who we are 
and what we've learned and how we've learned it. And sometimes it really takes examining some of those whys that got you to the behavior in the first place before the behavior change can stick. I mean, but isn't that, yeah, like that's, and that's the hard thing. It's like, do I now have to go back and deal with all this other shit to, and I'm asking yeah, you yeah. this, like, do you do yeah, have no, to? And I'm, I'm not saying you have to lay on a couch and talk about your daddy issues every time you need to make a behavior change because mm-hmm. you don't. It's mm-hmm. like, it, but, and it may help to unpack a few elements of the behavior if it's really challenging to management, to right. manage it. So, so, so do you think like, needs practical, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I was just going back to kind of like the initial conversation. Cause now I'm kind of putting all the pieces together. Like, so we t- we're talking about like people set intentions like for New Year's or they're going to do this or not going to do that. And it's not so much about <clears throat> the intention, even though the intention is, you know, the, an action, which is great. But what what's preventing sometimes the intention is what's underneath the layers that are not being dealt mm. with. Correct. Mm. Preach. Yes. That's it. I think I'm so, a doctor now, too. You are. Okay. You are basically PhD. Cool. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, so what it means to unpack this is not what, yeah, you asked, does that mean I need to unpack everything every time I need to make a behavior change? And that's, it's no. Like, I don't think but I could emotionally I, handle that. <laughs> I agree. And I don't think that you need to, because it's not always about that. So, so practically speaking, okay. One foundational issue is that you want to intentionally, if you're trying to make a a real behavior change, keeping your heart and your eyes and your senses open, scanning for those whys underneath, and they'll come to you. I mean, so there's a lot of different ways you can keep yourself open to the whys. For some people, you might journal. So it's just like reading. I am not a journaler. Mm -hmm, I don't keep up with it. It's not my jam. But for some people, it's prayer or meditation. Sometimes it's art. Sometimes it's getting yourself to the room, going to the works. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's travel. Sometimes it's just quiet. Sometimes it's locking yourself in a closet and maybe having a shot or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay. But, you know, to keep, know. <laughs> keep, keep your eyes open and your heart open to, like, the point of what you're doing. So create space to learn about yourself, the who you are and what you're doing, okay? So my favorite question to ask people who are struggling through behavior change is what do you love most about the thing? Okay. Like about the thing that they're attached to. Yep. Yes. How does it serve you? Cause it's serving you. Okay. How does it so make let's you play, feel can we, good? Can we role play for a minute? Yes. Okay. For sure. So say my thing, and I'm just going to use something that's really not my thing. So it's going to be weird, but say mm-hmm. my thing was like every night after everyone went to bed, I had like a secret massive salad bowl worth of ice cream and I felt like shit the next day, but I just kept doing Absolutely. it. Like I could not not do it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So how do you feel when you're eating that ice cream? I feel satisfied in control and it's like my thing. Like nobody knows it's my secret, right? Perfect. Yes. So it's making you feel good. You feel safe while you're doing it. It's probably a distraction. You're probably watching TV while you're doing it. So it's allowing you to distract from all the other really relevant salient problems that have been plaguing you all day, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an escape for you. Mm -hmm. And it tastes good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, So there are a lot of things about this behavior that are good. It's almost, it's like, whether this is smoking or eating a bunch of carbs or having unprotected sex with a lot of partners or throwing up what you eat. Like 
there are things about that behavior that are serving you. So it's imperative to know that before you try to give it up. Okay. So because a lot of times that behavior is a safety blanket. It's a source of comfort. So I don't want to take that away from people until I know what void we're going to leave when we remove the behavior. Because because if you remove it without knowing the void, then that's when fucking the wheels fall off. That's exactly right. So that ice cream could be, maybe you're eating the ice cream with a family member. So now it's like your thing together. Maybe it's stress relief. Maybe it's, um, maybe whatever the activity is makes you feel wanted or needed or important. Mm -hmm. Or my mom did this growing up. So I'm doing it and it makes me feel connected to my mom or just as simple as, as long as I can remember, I've acted this way or thought this way. So it's like part of your personality, part of your DNA. Yeah, totally. I see that. Yeah. So that's the why. And then we can also ask what's not so great about keeping this up. Mm-hmm. Okay. How is it harming you? Yeah. Like if this was actually me, if that was what I did, because I have, as I get older, I'm, this shows my age of becoming so lactose intolerant, like makes me feel <laughs> like shit. Um, my stomach hurts. I feel bloated. I, it's getting in the way of how I want to feel physically, mentally, and emotionally, because it just gives me brain fog. And also yeah. I actually feel out of control because I can't not do it and I don't trust 100%. myself. Yeah. Yes. And how's it harming others? Because a lot of times those kinds of especially eating habits, this is my thorn in my side is disordered eating. So it becomes now like kind of a secretive behavior. So now you're mm-hmm. like trying to, you're trying to kind of spend time away from others, that you can do this thing, which is hugely comforting to you, but it's at the expense of you being present with others. So how is it harming others? What are the consequences? Right. Right. Okay. So then is that Uh, what you do is you just get to the bottom of it and then go from there, from there to the top? So yeah, it's just instead of muscling through the behavior change and like beating yourself up when you lapse or relapse, it's it's loosening your shoulders up a little bit and leaning towards the behavior and exploring it with curiosity and an open set of eyes. Mm -hmm. It's getting to the, why is this happening? Instead of like, I got to stop the doing of the thing because it's not about the thing. So what happens if you're in your exploration and all of a sudden your brain's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it because I want to do it. Because that happens. I mean, that happens to all of us, I think. A hundred percent it does. And I think the most unkind thing that we can do when we're making a behavior change or preparing for a behavior change is not preparing our hearts and our heads for those lapses and relapses. Right. Like what you said, like we need to work. I don't know if you use the word failure, but we need to work failure into our growth. Yeah, exactly. Bring in a bet. We acknowledge that the behavior does not exist in a vacuum. And there are a lot of reasons why the behavior has manifested the way that it did. A lot of times it is a defense mechanism. So your body is, you have literally created this behavior to help keep you safe in some way, shape or form, however maladaptive it is. Mm-hmm. So so when we lapse or maybe we, you could say fail, or maybe when we say we were reestablishing a relationship with the thing from our past that we're trying to let go of, maybe the message is like you automatically go to you're not strong enough or motivated motivated enough or good enough but mm-hmm. it's probably more like where's the unmet need where's the void where's the hurt mm-hmm. so instead of giving into that shame which can really block our access to the healing and the freedom that we may be accessing by making the behavior change we're calling that behavior what it is we're asking the behavior what it's really telling us 
and it's giving ourselves so we can give ourselves grace around the behavior. Right. And so let me, so what I hear is you're, if, you know, if you have, like you said, the relapse lapse, whatever, you're not, you know, making the shift or whatever, instead of going into that place of like, I fucking did it again. I'm the worst. Like we're leaning more towards like positive reinforcement. Like, okay, so I feel I'm, you know, doing this thing because my partner and I aren't connecting. Okay. So how can I make a connection with my partner? Like instead of replace, like you're replacing, I don't want to say a bad habit, but something that's not serving you anymore and not just quitting that, but then maybe replacing it with something that is serving you more. Yes. Uh, something more like, it, so replacing that safety blanket with like something that's more internally focused. So for example, I work with, um, work with a patient who is using substances actively. She is in the stage where she wants to stop doing it, but she's like, look, my favorite people in the world are the people that I drink with and that I smoke weed with. Mm -hmm. And like, if I stop doing that, then I'm giving up my entire network and I don't want to do that. So we are in the process of getting her hooked up with some alternative social networks. So she is, she's reached out on some, um, on, on like some dating websites and she has reached out with some like groups in Charlotte that do like activities outside for like young adults. So she's trying to fill the void before we take away this thing that's really important to her. So that just makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go to school for this or something? (laughs) It's weird. You're kind of (laughs) smart. Except I know the real you. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You've always been a smart ass. I've known you forever, but, (laughs) um, no, this is so amazing, Allison, like this, and we're bringing Allison on now for like one of our shorter podcasts, informative, but I want to bring her on for like a full podcast. And I've told her this forever. And she's such an amazing speaker. First of all, duh, listen to her words. Like who talks like that? She's so like loquaciously challenged. And I don't know if that made sense. And she was like, I don't know. What if it sounds bad? Can you cut it? Can we not air it? I'm like, shut the fuck up. Um, but it's so, I don't know what I was. Oh, I know what I was listening to. I was listening to you ever listen to skinny confidential. Yes. Okay. You do. Yes. Did you listen to the one with shut the kale up? No. Okay. Uh -uh. Anyway, she was going through like a kind of a sad divorce, whatever, but she was what I kind of said to you. And I think I've even said this on here, but like, I don't know why, I don't know why I've never thought of this before, but it was so genius to me. Like she was, the woman was asking, her, like, what are some of your best practices? And she's like, well, when I stop doing something that I know isn't serving me, instead of just stopping it, I start to layer in things that will serve me, right? Like you were saying, like this woman is looking to, you know, kind of leave a lifestyle that isn't serving her anymore. So let's create one that is. So it's not just like this, okay, now you're alone and that's it. You have nobody. You're all by yourself. Now, of course you're going to fucking fail. Right. So. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So you can usually like, so, so get strategic when you're thinking about the possible barriers or ways that you get tripped up or the reasons what you, the reasons why you love the behavior or that you're served by the behavior. It's usually, it can be categorized in people, places, things, timing, or weather. (laughs) There's a a reason why a lot of people don't follow through with a lot of shit. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of true though. Like when it's like... (laughs) Charleston is so depressing when it's like cloudy because it's not like cold enough to snow or do anything cool. It's like depressing. Right. Yeah. So, so you can just, so figure out what your barriers are and then, and then work in ways to take care of those barriers to sidestep them. And let me tell you too, um, the other thing that will trip people up massively is to set a goal that is 
unattainable. So your goal needs to be really, really smart. And I think you need to create super, super tiny, minuscule, granular goals to start building up your self-efficacy or your your confidence in yourself that Mm -hmm. you can do the thing. You know, you don't have to go straight to the biggest, baddest behavior change. You don't have, I mean, my patients with type 2 diabetes that I work with, you can't, their their physicians are asking them to change their entire lifestyle. So going to need you to start with a DASH diet, a Mediterranean diet. These people who like have been eating Doritos for breakfast for 35 years. Like, right. And also, could you exercise five times a week? That'd be great. So no, it needs to be palatable goals that you can start and succeed and and build upon each successive successive successful I mean in just like a general context that just gives you confidence you know yes it's like my I'm watching my twins start to learn how to read and they have had a lot more problems than Waylon like it's just how it is it's how it's unrolling it's a new curriculum and like they start with sight words and like Van was so down on himself for so Mm. for like the first few months of school because he just could not get these sight words like he would just shut down cry throw a tantrum want to go play outside and so, you know, we got, I got a tutor in and we st- like wrote all the words and put them on his bathroom mirror. And now he's like, can read like cat, when, you know, cat is hot or whatever, you know? And now he's like, I'm a great reader. And I'm like, all right, Bo, you're not, but let's roll with that, you know? So perfect. very palatable. Perfect example. Yes. Do you, you think you and I should like go on the road together and I can explain to the real people what you're talking about and you can explain to the doctors? <laughs> It's a great idea. And I'm not saying I say this like with so much respect because I always love going to concerts where there's someone who's like um, doing sign language up there, you know, for like the people that mm-hmm. are deaf in the crowd. And I love seeing like they always do that widespread shows. But I could yeah. be your counterpart. <laughs> My translator. I could be your translator for the rest of the world. <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> well, we only have a few more minutes. So give us if you have one more punch because this was Honestly, Allison, this was so useful for me to hear. I know the listeners are going to get so much out of this. So what's like, let's, let me give you an example. So Sally, she's just been having a really, really hard time. She did dry January. It's something she wants to do. February started. Her friends all call her. They're like, all right, dry January is over. And in her mind, you know, dry January was maybe like the reason to start this process. And now Mm -hmm. she's getting pulled and it was easier to do it in January. So she already started the process because some of like two of her best friends are like, I'll do it with you. But February one, we're getting fucking loaded. So what mm-hmm. should, what's the best practice for Sally at this point? So I think Sally should really get hooked up with some psychotherapy if Sally has the means to do so, because I think there's a lot of exploration. I'm not just being funny about that. Like, I just, I think that Sally should be exploring her, like the reason why she hangs out with the people that she does. Like there's probably some really good reasons to keep these humans as friends. And there's probably some other reasons why maybe she should expand her social network to include hanging out with other people who share the same values that she does. Values is a conversation. It's the first conversation that I have with most all of my clients. Okay. So what are Sally's values? What does she value more? Does she value her friendships with these people or does she value the health decisions that she's making? Because it sounds like they're kind of colliding a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, so if Sally doesn't do psychotherapy, she can lean in and start to explore these things herself. Like where are her values? How do they align? Right. Okay. You know? I love and then that. there's also, uh, there's a, uh, so Sally could also, um, you know, start to, do maybe 
one night out with these homies a week and try like doing one drink or or doing the soda water thing or drinking Heineken 0.0 or doing some, you know, some sort of cocktail where she's still hanging out with them and is still getting what she is desiring from that activity, but not drinking. Okay, good. That's good. Sally, are you out there? Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a confidence ruler that Sally can use to figure out whether or not like this is a path forward for her. So like, there is actually a lot of research. It seems kind of elementary, but there's a lot of research behind this. So if you're thinking about making a behavior change and let's say like you set up a smart goal, you're going to be, let's make it about exercise. Let's make it like, okay, so you decided you're going to start walking um, and doing some intermittent running like three times a week on a scale of one to 10, one being as absolutely not happening, 10 being a hundred percent. I can commit to that. Where are you on that ruler of being confident that you'll be able to do 30 minutes of exercise three times a week? Okay. And if you're a six or a below, then you just need to alter, shift your goal just a little bit to make it so that your goal is a six or above. I love that. I feel so much better already. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited to you see you this are weekend. Welcome. I know. Let me ask you a very honest question since I know you. Yes. Are you really okay. going to get on the road at 1 p.m.? I will probably be on the road by like 2.30. I've already been thinking of ways that I could possibly procrastinate and like how to sidestep those Okay, barriers. why are you going to do that? Because then you're going to be pulling into Charleston at rush hour. I know, you're right. Get in the car at one. So, okay. Promise? Do, no, so this, should I take my own advice? No, it's, and, a six, it's above and, a six. This is, this is attainable. <laughs> I'm going to leave at one. I'm going to shock you and leave at one. Okay. You better, or I'm going to lock you out and hide your luggage. All right. <laughs> that's for, that's, <laughs> a, that's for another, an that's another time. Podcast on that. <laughs> that was hilarious. Okay. Before we hop off, um, tell everyone what's your favorite eye cream. <gasps> Carmex. Yep. You know, the stuff you put on your lips. Allison taught me it's the best <laughs> eye cream ever. It burns a little, but let me burns tell you. Burns a little, but that's, that's but, how you know it's working. It's moisturizing <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> All right, Allison, tell our listeners where they can find you if you want to. I don't know. I know your professional life and your personal life are different. So I don't know if you do have anything professional they can find you or if you want to share your My personal gosh, Instagram. Yes, you can email me for anything. Um, well, I'm Allison.Bickett on Instagram. And um, if you want to email me, I'm Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N.Bickett, B-I-C-K-E-T-T at atriumhealth.org. You're the best. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to have you on for a full segment. Right. Gird your loins, Charleston. I'm coming for you. <laughs> they, they are. They know. They've seen you. All right, you guys. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye. I love you. As always, please rate us, review us, share this one with your friends. I feel like this one is a goodie. I just got a ton of good nuggets from it. Um, and I've talked to Allison a million times. So, you know, share this one um, with everyone you know. And I loved what Allison said about, you know, if it's a six or below, it might be time to like think about it, renegotiate it, have a conversation, talk to a professional. Um, And as always, thank you guys for listening to us. We will chat soon. 